You're listening to the Wise Women Podcast, Season 3, Episode 74. I'm your host, Alicia Wilfert, founder of Yoke and Abundance, leadership coaching for entrepreneurs, creatives, and seekers. This podcast is designed to inspire by introducing you to creatives living abundantly. In today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with imposter complex coach, Tanya Geisler. Welcome back, everyone. It is so good to be talking to you today. You are really in for a treat with today's episode where I am talking to my friend, Tanya Geisler, on the imposter complex. But before we do, I have to say, if you are not yet registered for the next session of Reawakening Wisdom Daily that starts on March 9th, you're just straight up missing out. Seriously, what are you waiting for? This community is so powerful. It is creative accountability, inspiration, a community of like-minded women to connect with. If I could bottle this feeling of being a part of this group and sell it, I would, because it is so good. We come together each morning, Monday through Friday, 7.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are on a video conference, so we're all at our own homes. I am typically in yoga clothes or still in my pajamas. I pull an oracle card for inspiration for the group, and then I put us all on mute so that we can each do our morning practice. Some people do morning pages, some people meditate, sketch, paint. There's even every now and then some singing and dancing. And then about 25 minutes later, I take us all off mute and each of us has a chance to share what came up for us that morning or not. We don't meet over the weekend on Saturdays and Sundays, but I do issue a little creative challenge each weekend. We also have a Facebook group where we share what it is that's coming up for us in each of these sessions. So, you know, if you are looking to come back home to yourself, come back home to your creative practice, there is not a better group than this. And really, if you can't join us directly at 7.45 a.m. Eastern time, that's still really not a reason not to sign up because I send out the replay each day and there are a number of people that just can't make that specific time, but they're still a part of the group. They interact with us in the Facebook group. They know exactly what's going on and they still really reap the benefits of what's happening simply by watching the recording that's set out. So for real, you are missing out if you have not yet made the commitment to join us. This commitment needs to be made for you to be able to join us by the 6th of March. So you definitely need to sign up by the 6th of March to be able to join us for the evening kickoff call on the 9th. So on Monday the 9th, we're gonna have a kickoff call in the evening and that kickoff call is from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Monday, March 9th. And then we will start with our morning pages and morning practices the following morning at Tuesday the 10th at 7.45 a.m. So I hope you will join us. All you need to do is go to the website, www.yokeandabundance.com and then visit the Reawakening 
wisdom daily tab, and it will be all the information you need to sign up and join us. If you have any questions, of course, shoot me an email. We would love to hear from you. Now we are going to get to this wonderful conversation with Tanya Geisler, but first a word from our sponsor. Fikenco has been doing talent and people operations differently for the last decade. They are not your typical consulting firm. They are not a staffing firm or agency. They do not approach recruiting in the same way. Fikenco starts with learning what makes your unique work culture tick, getting to know your people and understanding your business. Viking Co. approaches people as people and wants to bring amazing talent to the doors of companies that are doing their work well. If you are just starting a business or need help scaling or growing into the next stages of business, Viking Co. can help you get there while making sure your people are happy and productive. They will be your partners when it comes to everything people and culture. Viking Co. Connecting people and culture. Visit vikingco.com for more information. Tanya Geisler, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm delighted. I've been so looking forward to this for a while now. Me too. I just want to back up really quickly and tell folks how you and I met. I know we talked about it on the summit, but not everybody was a part of the summit. So um, almost three years ago, exactly. It was kicked off, I think, Valentine's Day 2017. You were presenting at um, one of Jennifer Loudon's writing retreats in Tulum, Mexico. And I didn't even know you were presenting. That was like an extra treat, but I had gotten up really early, like the first morning to make coffee and you came up very soon after, and we got to have a lovely conversation. And it was right when I was starting on my coaching journey, I was just saying like, I'm going to do this. And you had this beautiful metaphor for me that has really stuck with me, especially in, in low times. You said to me, you said, ah, you're a medicine woman. Mm. And I think about that when, when times are tough in coaching, because that happens, you know, there's ebbs and flows of work. And I think, no, I, I am a medicine woman. That's who I am. And that's what I was put on this earth to do. And so thank you for those words that have really helped fuel me over the past three years. (sighs) I love it when I'm right about people. I'm so right about you. And I mean, it has nothing to do with the fact that you gave me coffee. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) I remember it though. I remember, I remember taking our coffees and sitting on the beach and listening and listening about what was in your heart and what was on the horizon for you and what was just the place that the universe had carved out for you. I could just see it and I could not wait for you to fully step in. And that's just the truth of it. Thank you. I've held you in my heart ever since, and I appreciate you so much. And I'm glad to get to introduce folks to your work because so often I just shared with you, like I'll often put out to my listeners, Hey, what do you want to hear? Who, what types of guests would you want me to bring on? And so often I hear And you talk about the imposter complex. And I think I got the perfect person (laughs) for that conversation. And I mean, this has been your work for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's been my work my whole life, right? <laughs> All of us. <laughs> we just don't have the words. <laughs> exactly. It has been the work of my lifetime. But yes, I, I had named for me back in 2009. And then when I was invited to do a TEDx talk in 2012, uh, I decided this was the, the, the where I wanted to land the plane and really deepen in my understanding. And so really for the last nine, eight, nine years, I've been and really deep analysis of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've just only just begun. Yeah. So can you share with folks what the imposter complex is and um, that it is a complex, not a syndrome? Can you talk a little bit about that and why? And then can you talk about like the seven faces of the imposter complex? I can do all of those things. So your job, your job is going to be to rein me in because you understand like when I say I've got you, this is a book, this is a series of books. It's like so much. So I get very excited talking about it. And I love hearing about it. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I always start with a bit of history lesson because I'm a big fan of attributing the teachers Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes were clinical psychologists who named the experience as the imposter phenomenon. So they were working with academics at Oberlin College back in 1978. And they noticed this through line with all of these women that they were working with, that these women seemed to be, no matter how successful they were, they seemed to be incapable of internalizing their success. So any success they had had, they would chalk up to luck, fluke timing, or having somehow managed to deceive people into thinking they were smarter, more capable than they actually were. Ding, ding, ding. Their failures, on the other hand, they were totally able to identify themselves with, right? Um, Anything goes wrong, that's all on me. So that was the through line of what they they were seeing in these in these um, in these academics, and so that was really the first time that it was named as the imposter phenomenon. So when I hear it called the imposter syndrome, and trust me when I tell you, my SEO people get super pissed off at me that I refuse to call it the imposter syndrome because <laughs> I'd be doing. You'd all know me by now if I was calling it that, but it's technically not correct. Right. Because it's not a syndrome. It's not a diagnosis. It is an experience, a phenomenon, and it's a complex, even though I'm still not sure what Young would have to say about that. Uh, but the when we think about it as a diagnosis, that really pathologizes it, and it, it really others us from the experience. Right. And so I've definitely had people who who have felt antagonized when it's been called an imposter syndrome. So I call it the imposter complex and SEO is just going to have to catch up. Um, <laughs> and it's so funny when it, noticing you calling it the imposter complex, I'm like, Oh, that's right. Because I'm so happy. So that's, that's the one one on the complex. So we know that it was named in 78, but we also know that this experience clearly predates the naming of it. Evolutionary biologists, I always stumble over that, recognize it as an instrument of evolution put in place to make sure we don't mutate too fast. We've seen it in ancient texts from ancient sages of, of um, India. It was called Chala or fraud factor. So there's evidence. This is just part of our need to belong. Mm. And the reason it's, it's absolutely obsessed with being a complete failure or an absolute success is that those are the two places where it's not safe to be if you are part of a, a tribe, right? As a t- part of this tribal need to belong. So everything about the imposter complex is really very relational. Where are you in relation to everyone else? 
It has three major objectives. And that is, it wants to keep you out of action. It wants to have you doubt your capacity and it wants to keep you alone and isolated. So it goes about this in lots of different ways, but I'm just going to pause here because I see you've got a pen. You're writing down a note. <laughs> so I'll take yeah. a breath. So keeping us out of action, keeping us doubting our capacity. And what is the third for listeners? Alone and isolated. Ooh, why does it want to keep us alone and isolated? I don't know, but that's how it works. We want to be alone in the experience of it. It wants to keep us alone in the experience of it. It, wants to be, it pays a sort of hush money. Don't tell anyone about this. You know, yeah. Got it? We're doing I'm it. with you. Yep. Okay. Yep. Suffer in silence. Good girls don't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So there are a thousand different layers to all of this. Um, so really like context, nuance, discernment, that is so important to me on all of these different levels. So what is true for one person might feel different for somebody else. I think it's really important that as we talk about the imposter complex, there's a way that I've had to really flatten the understanding of what it is so that we can, you know, we recognize its objectives and then we can deal with it strategically looking at those objectives and people's lived experience will, will have, will inform different outcomes. Um, right. So I want to say that a tiny bit differently. What we know is that just like those women, and I'll say women because they were all women identified folks at Oberlin college has strong values of mastery, integrity, and excellence. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you experience the imposter complex, the good news is that you have those values of mastery, integrity, and excellence. My job, my work in the world is not about eradicating it. It is to help you overcome it time and time again, because it shows up at the precipice of your expansion. It shows up at the precipice of your evolution. Every time you are on the cusp of something big and new and beautiful and exciting, it's going to show up and go, no, 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 no. Stay out of action, right? You can't do this. And you certainly can't tell anyone about this. Okay. Go so, hide in a cave. Hide in a cave. So much safer. So much safer. So, so those are like the kind of the overarching pieces to know that, that most people experience it who have those strong values. Um, it's not about, you know, eradicating it forever and ever and ever. There is, there is a, there is an intelligence to it. We just can't over identify with it. And then it wants to keep you out of action, dead in your capacity and alone and isolated. Actual frauds don't feel like frauds. Actual imposters don't feel like imposters. You know, that's what you said that always gives me hope. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling it. I must not actually be an imposter. Yeah, it was very charming. I was just on a call um, just before this. I'm going to be speaking at an International Women's Day talk in about two weeks time. I'm not sure when this goes to air, but um, it'll be early March that I'm doing this talk. And Dunning-Kruger is the opposite effect, where if the imposter complex is we've got lots of proof of our success. We just don't necessarily believe it because we've got a lower sense of confidence as it relates to that. The Dunning-Kruger effect is the complete opposite where you've got not so much proof of success, but lots of confidence. You know, the kind of confidence that leads, lets you run nations. Is it about love? Is it love? Um, so, so there's that. So we spend so much time. And, and so set, it was interesting. Somebody had said on this call, well, there will be some, you know, it's about 170 folks will be there. Some of them will 
some of them will be men. And it was very charming how they were so tender about that. Like, what's going to happen? It's like, we'll have the conversation. <laughs> and they said, well, they, they've mentioned that there was some reference to the Dunning-Kruger effect. And, you know, can, can we attend to that? And it's really like, yeah, but truly, we spend so much time trying to avoid that sense of arrogance. And we can't even come remotely close to even hitting it. So we need to stop giving it such a wide berth because the, the truth is, if you are in the question of if you are an imposter, then trust me, you are not. This is right. not the question that people with Dunning Kruger are sitting with. They're just not. They're thinking about other things. So there's all of that. And then I think it's also really, 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 really important though. Um, and this is, you know, where I, again, tribute my teachers. Stacy Jordan Shelton is a dear friend of mine, a mentor coach has been a client, you know, we've done the gamut. Uh, and she always talks about that we have a shared, we may be having a shared space, but not necessarily a shared experience. Right. And so I think it's really important when we talk about the imposter complex that again, you know, I have had to flatten it to be able to approach it from the, here are the different objectives, here are the different strategies, but to be very clear that we are not having the same lived experience with the imposter complex. So if the, I just gonna, I yeah. use this and with full permission, my husband, Greg, if my beautiful husband, Greg is the, basically the center of the universe, you know, white, able-bodied, cisgender, neurotypical, middle-class dude living in North America, if he's the center of the universe for every concentric circle that we are othered from, Greg, we are going to have, we, it's likely that we will have an exacerbated sense of it. So by gender, by race, by uh, ability, by class, by neurodivergence or neurotypicality, sort of thing. Um, you know, so all of these different places, we are going to have a different experience of it. Yes. Okay. So, and this is, maybe this is a good time for us to talk about your podcast. Yeah. Ready enough. Yeah, my podcast. I love my <laughs> podcast so much. So I do a lot of speaking. So blessed to be able to do that. Um, and one of the things that I stopped being able to unsee about two years ago was that at the end of every Q&A sections, always sessions, always my favorite, because then I know exactly what people want to hear about. More often than not, I would have somebody stand up at the at the end and say, you know, it could be a trans person. It could be a, a person of color. They would stand up and they'd say, okay, this is great. I'm super happy to have all these tools. This is really insightful and helpful. Why do I do that? If I literally have somebody who tells me that I don't belong, what do I do then? And every single time I'd have to say the same thing. I'd have to say, oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry that that is your experience. We'd go into that a little bit, but then I'd have to say, but that's not the imposter complex. That's harassment. That's violence that needs to be reported. That needs to be addressed. That needs to be tended to. That is not an internal structure. That's an external structure. And we're talking about an internal structure, but that doesn't leave anybody with that much hope. So I really started digging into this with my social justice coach, who's Desiree Attaway. And so Desiree and I were talking about like, how, how do I, how do I attend to this? And of course I've got to do my own work around intersectionality to be certain and what I've started to say because it's the truth is that 
I am speaking to you from the lens of my lived experience as a white, able-bodied, just cisgendered, mm-hmm. neurotypical woman, you know, middle-class means living in North, North America. Your lived experience may be different from mine. I might not always be the appropriate person to be able to help you with your particular area of suffering as it relates to the imposter complex. And it was from that, that the Ready Out of Podcast was born with my desire to connect my listeners with the kinds of teachers, coaches, mentors that would be of deepest service to them. And then I also needed to reconcile the fact that for the longest time, and you'll see as I really get into sort of the, the fascia of this experience, that I used to joke, I still think it's kind of funny, actually, that do you remember my big fat Greek wedding? Yes. Right. Okay. So the dad, he would have this like fabulous ability to pull every English word back to the Greek language. Mm-hmm. Well, I would do the same with the imposter complex. Like everything's the imposter complex. Imposter complex. I was seeing it everywhere. <laughs> so how I start my podcast is, you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. But... <laughs> What if it's not a nail? What if it's transphobia? What if it's alcoholism? What if it's anxiety? What if it's racism? And so this podcast attends to the fact that there are ding, 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 other things that keep us out of action, doubting our capacity and alone and isolated. So this is my no better, do better gift offering to myself. Uh, it's me doing my own analysis of assumptions that I've been making for a very long time and trying to right some wrongs in that and doing it, you know, really showing my work, which I think is very important mm. in terms of integrity and authenticity and all, and all of that. So I call it ready enough because first of all, the imposter complex is obsessed with perfectionism, which of course we're going to get into. So these conversations will not be perfect. Right. And they're not. And uh, one of the other lies of the imposter, one of the lies, there's also 12 lies of the imposter complex. Which oh, 12. I always yes. think of seven. Yeah. Okay. 12. No, there's 12 lies and six behavioral traits. Okay. I'm telling you, this is like, there is a lot to this. But one of the lies of the imposter complex is lie number seven. You're not ready yet. And so when we believe this lie, right, we, we get the next certification or we, all of that. Um, but my whole desire is for people to remember that they are everything that they have done and created and healed and survived and lived through has prepared them for whatever this thing is yes. right here, right now. And that you're ready enough. I love it. Everybody needs to go listen, subscribe, listen, and then leave a review because those matter. <laughs> They matter. They matter. Um, and I start with Desiree um, for super obvious reasons, because she really was my inspiration. She's my muse. Um, and also because Desiree teaches something that I think is so vitally important called liberatory consciousness. And I always attribute Desiree to that work, but she says that her teacher in that is Barbara Love. So, okay. I hear Desiree. So (laughs) what liberatory consciousness means is that this is the only way we get free of anything is through this process. And the first step is awareness, Mm -hmm. right? We know this, but where we tend, I'll say we, I'll say myself, um, you know, just again, I don't want to use very wide brushstrokes for everybody having the same lived experience. 
we tend to, most people tend to go straight from awareness to, oh my God, there's a problem to let me fix it. But the actual appropriate next step (laughs) is to do your analysis, some research, (laughs) do some research, maybe listen to the people who have been doing the work for lot longer than you even knew that it was an issue. So awareness, then analysis, then action, then accountability. And so really this podcast for me is about doing my analysis out loud, messily and all. I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you for taking us along on that journey. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. We only have 15 um, episodes so far, but they have each, each and every one of them have been you know, it's just all different experiences that I don't have. Right. So we've talked to folks who have neurodivergence and, um, trans folks and, and we're going to be getting into chronic health issues and toxic work environments. Like these are all different places that, that can manifest or can look like the imposter complex and they might be something else. But when we know it's the imposter complex that I'm your gal. I love it. I love it. Sounds like maybe sometime I need to Desiree on the podcast too to talk oh. about what she's up to. Oh, I just, I, I mean, I'm happy. I'll make that connection. Lovely. Like Lovely. as soon as we're done here, she's just absolutely brilliant. Just, I do not have enough words for how much I respect and love Desiree. That's awesome. Well, mm-hmm. tell us, tell us about those 12 lies. What do we okay. have to look out for? Uh, well, okay. If, if I may. Yes. I'm just keeping an eye on your time too. Um, I, I think it might be helpful. Okay, sure. I'll do the 12 lies because that's what you asked. I'm going to play along. Is it better to go to the six behavioral traits? Eh, it's sort of like, this is where I say all roads lead to the imposter complex. It doesn't matter which way we're going to get in. Like we're, we're going to get, get there. there. We're going to get there. <laughs> so the 12 lies are self-doubt is proof of your inadequacy. Okay. That's the mm. first one. <laughs> self-doubt is proof of your inadequacy. No, <laughs> self-doubt is proof of your humanity, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the reason you're like, the fact that you're experiencing this means that you have strong values of mastery, integrity, and excellence. And that's what makes you a brilliant leader and a brilliant coach and a brilliant mentor and a brilliant artist and makes all of that. That's all true because of that, because of that humanity. Um, successful people don't experience this. Wrong. <laughs> They just might be better at hiding it than you are. But if they are, if they've got those same values, they have experienced it. And we like to believe this one so we can sort of protect ourselves from it. And it's part of the reason we have this fear of, you know, we've got whole fear of success, failure thing. That's enough. That's a whole other podcast that we could be talking about. (laughs) You are all or nothing. So it Mm -hmm. lives inside of competence, absolute extremity. So you're either complete success or raging failure. There's nothing in between. And it sounds like that's definitely one that perfectionism would probably make an intersection, a hard intersection into. Hard. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And successful people don't experience this, that you can see that that's comparison to see again. Like they don't know what we're talking about yet. But okay. 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 <laughs> so nothing useful, original, uh, valid to say. And so of course, when we believe this or like it's all been said before by smarter, better people than me, like so when we believe this lie, we don't share, we don't communicate, we don't, we pass up opportunities to collaborate, we diminish. Yeah, we're doing this. Um, you must not tell anyone about this, right? This is where it pays you hush money, keeps you quiet, keeps you alone, keeps you isolated, or 
everything is a contradiction. So line number six is you must tell everyone about this. This is really up for, for people pleasers, making sure that everybody understands, like we're being very, very, very relational, but you can also be a people pleaser. Yes. Hands up on that one. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's, that's me, right? Like I literally start my, my TEDx talk about, I'm not supposed to be here, but also you must not tell anyone about this is also can also be people pleasing. We don't want to burden anybody with our, Mm -hmm. with the shame that we are living inside of. Yeah. Um, you're not ready yet is line number seven. So we touched mm. on that. You'll never be able to pull that off again. So when we believe this, we stay out of action. We lay low. It's just a matter of time before this all crumbles beneath you, which of course is having you, you know, again, doubting your capacity out of action. You can't trust the praise of others. Ah, yeah. That's such a painful one. Yes. Yeah. You can't trust the praise of others. They're so just be nice. Yeah. They, they don't. Yeah. They don't really mean that. They don't mean that. They don't mean that. Because everybody has so much time to like walk around, just like throwing around random compliments. Like you don't. When you say a truth, you mean a truth. Mean it. Right. So there's this inherent arrogance with the imposter complex god bless us and our humanness but that's the truth of it there is this it doesn't apply to me i'm being honest but nobody else is right um there's a very sad um i do a lot of work with women engineers so on my way down to speaking at a conference in philly and I was doing, I was reading open source magazine as one does too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, programmers, I guess. And there was this article on the imposter complex written by a trans woman. And she was talking about working in the lab and she said um, something about, you know, when I go out with my colleagues, I literally trust them with my life. Yet when we're in the lab, I don't trust their praise. How can I trust these people with my life, but not their praise? I have been haunted by that. Like my whole, yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. But that's what we do. Yeah. With the imposter complex. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, Line number 11 gets me into a little bit of hot water and I'm fine with it. You're going to have to fake it till you make it. Oh yeah. But you know what? It's that's really not a good thing to say. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit why that gets you in trouble? For a number of reasons. One is because I think people think that I am, um, because people have had success with it or they have had a, they have had a success to a point and it got them in the room. So they attribute that success to, to that faking it moment. I also understand that in mental health circles, it has been a strategy for somebody struggling with trauma responses. And so I'm trying to widen my understanding of that as well, but I've, in, a, in a significant number of conversations that I've had, it's still is significantly preferable. We're just simply colluding with them, our already exacerbated sense of imposterhood if we are faking anything. Yeah. So my preference is for you to simply root into the truth about your capacity, just how rad you are and multifaceted and magnetic and powerful exactly as you are. 
Yeah. You know, this one gets me because when I first started teaching yoga over a decade ago, I had people say that just fake it till you make it right. Like it's scary to get up there and start teaching. And I realized that what that phrase did is exactly what you just said. It said it, it made me for, I think the first seven years that I taught, I was just like, Oh, I'm just faking it. Mm -hmm. I'm not really a yoga teacher. So it took a really long time to heal that. Yes. Um, when I should have just said, no, I'm a beginner and I bring beginner's energy, you know, right? Like I'm a beginner teacher and I'll advance and I'll grow and I'll get better. And just like with number, you don't tell anyone about this. What I say is you can just say, I'm excited to be here, here and nervous because it matters. Yeah. That's what we need to do. And then root into our capacity. Why we were the person at the front of that room. There's a reason for that. Nobody made a mistake. Right least of all us. And I had uh, my, I think my second last interview at this point, Janelle Allen um, was my guest and she had interviewed me for her podcast. And we were talking about this lie and she said, it's also super privileged. Like how much privilege does one have to have Mm. to be able to, so we went deep into that one. So that's a great, Whoa, we all need to, I'm going to link to that episode in the show notes. Desiree and Janelle, please. Yeah, Yeah, fantastic. So that was just, you know, that's why we have the conversations because um, I've always had a a visceral response to it and I've had a understanding to a point. And then there's that piece too. Yes. How privileged must we be to have that be our reality? and then the 12th is asking help is for suckers right again this is this like keeping you alone keeping you isolated keeping you in your keeping in your spot keeping in your place so throughout all of these you can see the ways that you know not each and every one of them are specifically trying to keep you out of action dead in your capacity and alone and isolated but they're all sort of playing tag team with each other there are, of course, reframes for all of this. And of course, you're going to link to the 12 Lies um, handbook, which is going to uh, okay. unpack all of that. But really, folks should work with you. I just want to put that out there. If <laughs> folks are really struggling deeply with something on this level, you're an expert at this. And you help many, 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 many women with this. So they, they really should enroll in one of your programs. Thank you. Yes, I think that's probably true too. Yeah, you know, my you... work is yeah, my work is for leaders who really want to understand this. And you know, I just want to say this stuff gets so meta. Here's how I know that <laughs> yeah. I've you know I've got some real mastery in this area because when you call me an expert, you know that not that long ago that would have been I would have had a reaction to it, and now it's just mm. yes, this is what I've been you doing. Can roar. And <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I got that. And so I find that, you know, for me, the, the work that I do is I do work with folks who are up to world changing things and they really want to be able to do so with integrity and be models of possibility mm-hmm. in their leadership. And it's hard to do that when we are constantly tripped up or at least consciously, you know, consciously competent as it relates to our imposter complex. We know that there is this bottleneck in Mm -hmm. our leadership, in our activation. Uh, And so my work is all about offering you the tools because it is, it, like I say, shows up at every turn of your evolution. So it's not a set it and forget it kind of thing. These are tools to be mastered. It's a technology. Um, And that's what my work is. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Can you talk a little bit about your program? You, you've just changed it. So it used to be nine months. You are now taking folks through a really intensive program. Can you touch a little bit on what your program is and yeah. who, who should sign up? 
Well, anybody, you know, we, we, that get on a call with me first before anything else, because that's really, you know, I need to be able to, it's intense, it's intense and it's beautiful and it's wide and it's deep and it's not for everyone. Uh, I will say that probably I speak to, but one in four people I speak to are really right for this work. And those are people who are, you know, really resourceful, really committed, um, who really recognize what is on the other side of this bottleneck, but it is 12 weeks and it is 12 weeks. And, (laughs) And we go deep and strong into these other, these areas. And you walk away, like I say, with these tools. My favorite thing about it is that it's an, it's an rolling enrollment. But I, what I love about it is, and this feels very, this feels right. Uh, there's an alumni space that you have lifetime access to. So it's 12 weeks of the, the intense learning and, and calls with me and all of that. But then there's this space where you get to continue to practice the tools. You'll have lifetime access to all of the lessons but that you can continue to come back because not everybody has this understanding of, of why all of the steps matter so much, why celebration is so integral to dealing with the imposter complex. There's, you know, there's six kind of core areas that we go into. Um, honestly, I think that, you know, understanding what it is you want and don't want, what has always been in the way, really being able to bolster that capacity, uh, make sure that you are surrounded by the best. And each and every one of these touch points is rife with the imposter complex, asking for support, knowing the kind of support that you need or are allowed to have. We've been so conditioned out of these very natural set points. So the work is deep. It's very powerful. It's, it is, um, I don't want to say this. It, it's, it shifts your internal landscape so that you can you know, change the world as you are intended to so you can um, show up, right? Like yeah. show up for who you're supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I talk about impeccable impact. Um, because really that's what I think that that is what we're all yearning to have. And impeccability means very different things for all of us. Uh, but really I think we're talking about legacy. We're talking about visibility. We're talking about a kind of a consciousness and, and a responsibility. Um, so it's all of those things. And the, you know, the pe- people that have been doing the work have been uh, to me, they are world changers that are doing remarkable things as you are a world changer. Anybody who has a, a, a desire for leadership has their own unique imprints that they are required to lead with. And we hedge because of the imposter complex and for other reasons as well. So I think it's important that we talk about those six behavioral traits and then we yeah. can even talk about how they sort of manifest. So just as the imposter complex wants to keep us out of action, doubting our capacity and alone and isolated, there are these six pretty specific behaviors that we're going to hang out in to avoid feeling like the imposter. And those are, get ready for this, people pleasing. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> uh, leaky boundaries. Diminishment. Comparison. Perfectionism. And procrastination. So here's the tricky bit about all of these. They are double binds, meaning that we go to this behavior to avoid feeling like the imposter, but in so doing, by hanging out there, we actually feel more like the imposter, a little like the double bind of fake it till you make it. So for instance, if we are, if we are a perfectionist, we think that our perfection will preclude our feeling like the imposter because we will belong because people will like us more because we will fit in. So we will work 
two to three times as hard as anybody else to make sure that nobody is in the question of whether we belong or not. Uh, then there we are deep in our work, working, working, working. And then we will look up and go, wait a minute, why does nobody else have to work as hard as I do? What's going on here? I must be the imposter. I don't belong here. Right. Right. That one, some of these are just so heartbreaking to me. I know. Heartbreaking because I've done them. Yes. Of course. People pleasing. So, I mean, you know, we want to make sure that everyone, that we get along with everyone. Because again, it's obsessed with belonging, right? So I want to make sure that everyone likes me. But then what happens when I get invited to something? They are just, they're, I've been invited because they like me, not because I'm deeply skilled, deeply talented, expert at what I do. They just think I'm nice. You can't trust the praise of others. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, people pleasing is so fascinating because I don't know if this is like Alicia getting over people pleasing, but I recently had something where I was like, I'm going to stand up for, I'm going to be loud and I'm going to say, I'm going to call out what was wrong and I'm going to stand in it and it's going to look kind of ugly and people aren't going to like me for it. And it did not feel good, but I stood in it and I stood strong. So I don't know if that's like, like a little bit of like getting over the people pleasing or like mm-hmm. I'm more on my way, but that definitely felt like a transition into a different place. Amazing. Yes. I would absolutely say that that is true. And I think that the more you do that, the more you show your work out loud, the more you stop allowing for the injustices to be happening around you, the more you get used to it. I posted this just yesterday. You know, you will be far too much for some and not nearly yeah. enough for others. Right. Uh, and that's the truth of it. And, and that's, uh, there's grief there. And there's also massive relief that you're not going to be able to please everybody. Right. So may as well go down telling the truth. Yeah. And your people, and there's, yes, absolutely. We, we, there's, and so this is why, you know, hearing you say that this is, this is part of the work that it, this is why I do what I do, because that changes, that changes the landscape when, people who have been people pleasers because that's what you're supposed to do because of feminine conditioning. Joe Casey, great teacher on feminine conditioning. You know, that's what a lot of women identified folks relate to. You are just get along with everybody. So each one of these behavioral traits is going to have a double bind to them. And I think it's important because I always want to, again, there's so many different layers to this. I always want to be able to say all 10 things all at the same time so that nobody takes anything out of context. Because I think that in the self-development space, bless our humanness, once again, bless our cotton socks for our humanness. We have done a pretty lousy job of making us wrong for those behavioral traits. You are flawed if you are a people pleaser. You are flawed if you're a perfectionist. And so I like to bring a lot more compassion in and remind us all that, you know, diminishment might have everything to do with your value of humility. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, Comparison has everything to do with your deep value of connection. Like, how am I relating to everybody? Um, Perfectionism says more about your excellence than anything else. Procrastination might simply be your value of discernment. Leaky boundaries. For me, I know that it speaks a lot about my generosity and people pleasing. There's something about inclusivity, again, super relational, but also I think it's super important that we name that for folks who've been marginalized or oppressed, 
People pleasing is a method of survival. Yeah. So I want us to stop making ourselves wrong for it and just attend to it when it becomes problematic, when it keeps us out of action, doubting our capacity and alone and isolated. That's really important to me. Yeah. When it keeps us from being who we are supposed to be. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah. You posted something recently that I just loved. I think you know what I'm going to say, but um, you like got on right before a run and you did a Facebook live and you shared, you were like, if you're about to do something, don't just slip it into the water. Yeah. I love that. Because, and I know, I know that that speaks to the, like, I don't really want anyone to see this mm-hmm. piece of it, but I think so many of us are like, oh, I'll just put the blog post up, but I'm not going to like share it to Facebook or I'm not going to put it on Instagram or I'm not going to like try to submit that art or I'm going to write the blog post because that's safer instead of trying to submit that as an article to a publication. You know, like instead of, I don't know, it just got me on a lot of different ways. And so now I think about when I'm about to do something, am I just slipping it into the water or am I really putting it out there in the fullness that it's supposed to be going out there? How dare you hoard your good stuff? How dare you? Right. So you can see now that we've gone through, you know, so much of this that you can see that what's happening there when we slip it into the water has everything to do with our diminishment Mm -hmm. and has everything to do with this line number four. You have nothing useful, original or important to say. So it's all been said before. So that's what's happening for us. We stay out of action or at least we minimize our action uh, and it doesn't have the full impact. But here's the thing. All of these coping mechanisms, um, which is really what those behavioral traits are, they're coping mechanisms to avoid feeling like the imposter. They are also, they're colluding with our confirmation bias. Mm. And that confirmation bias, it's like we're constantly looking for confirmation of the fact that we're a fraud. Right. So you slip it into the water, guaranteed you're going to get slipped it into the water results. Yes. So here's where that wins. That confirms what you believed all along that your work isn't important, valuable, useful, right? Not original, all of that. So yay, we win. (laughs) (laughs) In such a horrible way. Right. So don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Tanya, this is such, oh, I'm surfing girl. I mean, I'm going to surf those waves. (laughs) Um, I thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Is there anything else you'd like to share about the imposter complex or what you're up to? Well, one of the things I think it's important, um, sort of like a full circle for me is, is, I think that all of this is fascinating, of course, and I, I never want people to feel you know, defeated about it. Because again, once we know its objectives and wants to keep us out of action, doubting our capacity alone and isolated, our job then becomes to understand what's in the way. Like what is precluding us from taking action? Is it inner critics? Are they inner critics? Which they might be. Are they realistic objections? And then game it by it, right? right? Figure out what's underneath it. Great. Doubting your capacity, this requires you to build uh, an arsenal, an ongoing practice of celebration and tabulating all of those wins so you understand them on a cellular level, cellular level. But that's an internal job before it's an external job, because particularly for those of us who are people pleasers, we're not going to trust the praise of others. 
So we have to do that internal work. And that is no joke. And that, you know, again, this is so much deeper, like so much deeper than we, than we imagine. And then we also need to make sure if it wants to keep us alone and isolated, that we are surrounded by those who I call your people. And your people are those who are, um, actually, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, it's on my bulletin board. Of course it is. It's um, Nayira Wahid's poem, um, This Is How You Know. Because people get, you know, really, because it's so relational, we get very challenged with who my people are. Because I'm always talking about your people want you to succeed. And so often people want to say, easy for you to say, no, it's not. It's actually really hard to cultivate those circles of belonging. Right? You feel that, you can hear, feel that emotion in my throat. Uh, it's very hard to do that. And it's our job. So I love this from Nayir Wahid. Some people, when they hear your story, contract. Others, upon hearing your story, expand. And this is how you know. Oh, I get so me, tingles. No, right? It's so good. It's so good. And this is how you know who your people are. Um, and it's not everybody, right? So like not everybody wants you to succeed, but your people do. Yeah. So I think that that's really important. So again, lots of deep work around that, lots of deep work around asking, lots of deep working, lots of deep wounding around all of this. So again, this is why the work is deep and intense and really super important that never, ever, ever leaves you. But the other thing I wanted to touch on, if we have just like two more minutes, we do. do we? Mm-hmm. Is what I call, you know, your impeccable impact is is really the where the where we're going to. So the imposter complex is where we want to leave. Your impeccable impact is really where we want to go to, where we are, you know, really rooted, dialed in with our integrity, amping up with what I call presence, and then taking right action from there. Um, and the intersection and the overlay for me that I find endlessly fascinating. If unshakable confidence is, or and really leading with your impeccable impact requires this kind of level of confidence, there are these three stool legs, and those are um, integrity, presence, and action. And for us to have integrity, we are required to show up authentically. We are required to be obedient to our vision, and we are required to honor our word. And here's the kicker: to ourselves. Mm. particularly for those of us who are people pleasers, we're very, very good at honoring our word to others, but not so much to ourselves. Presence requires us to be able to trust in our power, be able to be with support, and, and I feel a little emotional when I talk about this one, hold a reverence for ourselves. What do you mean by that? If we know the kind of, if we have that integrity, we really have this vision that we are holding, we're obedient to, we are honoring ourselves, we are we're really, you know, like I said, dialed in with integrity and we can trust in our power, then we have no choice but to be reverential and to treat ourselves with that care and love and compassion that we are so quick to afford to others. But when we give ourselves that reverence, then I believe that we are truly unstoppable. I feel like that's really where where everything becomes possible, but we don't give ourselves that reverence, which is the reason we are so depleted, so strung out, so burned out, so overwhelmed because we are leaving that reverence piece off the table. And I think that reverence, you know, it's inextricably linked with celebration, it's inextricably linked with care, all of that. Um, but it's always the last on the list. 
Um, it's not last on your list. No, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. And then the final piece is action, where this is where we are willing to fail when we are rooted in tenacity and resilience. And so these are, you know, these are the cornerstones of my work. So as much as I, you know, know all the things about the imposter complex, really where I'm trying to get us to is to this place where we can start to lead with impeccable impact. What is amazingly fascinating to me is, like I said, all the days I could talk about this. But when we know which of those behavioral traits are our natural set point, then we have a bit of a diagnosis as to what needs attention. So if you are somebody who struggles with or comes up against people pleasing or leaky boundaries, integrity is your place to pay attention. Mm. If diminishment and comparison keep you out of action, dead in your capacity or alone and isolated, your attention needs to be on presence. And if procrastination and perfectionism are up, then it's an action that needs your attention. So that's where it all kind of comes together. So if we know, and that's something, you know, your folks can do, go to tanyageisler.com slash quiz, and you can take a quiz and that will tell you which of those behavioral traits is the most up for you. It's going to dial down some of that self-helpy language of like, that makes you a bad person. No, I will offer lots of context about what it actually means Mm -hmm. and then where to go from there. And that quiz is really fun. I mean, it's just fun to take. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What, what what came up for you? Definitely people pleasing. Yeah. 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 You know, I know how much leaky boundaries in there, but I know diminishment is also up there. Yeah. As well. Yes. So. yes, yes, yes. And look at the, and I love just what you said about, you know, you saw the injustice and you stood up so that you're like really bringing your people pleasing into focus. And that's yeah. really, that's what we can do. Like just attend to our patterns, attend to our set points and choose another way. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what my work is. Your impeccable impact.com is where the um, information about the, the, my, my work is. Um, but you can also find me tanyageiser.com. And we will link to all of that in the show notes. I highly recommend folks go check out your work, take the quiz, <gasps> listen to a podcast, and maybe even jump on a call with you to see if your impeccable impact is the right program for them. Amazing. Yeah. Tanya, so thank you. you. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. My joy. Tanya and I would love to know what you thought of today's episode. Please head over to the website and share a thought or reflection from today's interview. If you are loving the Yoke and Abundance Wise Women podcast, please consider becoming an ongoing patron of this podcast through our Patreon account. This podcast takes a minimum of $600 each month to produce, and that's before I even see a dime or I'm able to advertise or to do other fun things that we could do with a little bit more funding. If this programming is important to you, if it's an important part of your life, consider checking out our sponsorship levels for individual contributors. No amount is too small. Even a monthly sponsorship of $5 a month makes a gigantic impact on this programming. Please consider heading over to our Patreon page and sponsoring us. You can find the link in our show notes. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Yay Brand. Thank you to Ira Sterling of Julia Sound Recording for our theme music. And thank you to my editor, Tumani Johnson, for his work on today's episode. Remember, every one of us has wisdom within. Keep sharing your words of wisdom because you never know who you'll inspire.